1: Brandon and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about the dynamic warm up. why you want to warm up, maybe how to do it, what kind of things we're looking for in it. But first, Brandon, how are you doing, man?
0: Doing well, man. We've had a uh, good run of a few guests last three or four episodes.
1: Yeah, it's been great, um, man. A lot, yeah. of, <laughs> a lot of great people, really smart people that are innovators in both the fields of strength conditioning and rehab that are doing some some great things. It's been awesome having them on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the most Recent interview we had with Danny. That was pretty cool of him to sit down with us in the middle of that course. And we we asked him for advice on how to get this podcast to the big leagues. And the first thing he said was, well, if you guys are making it easy for me. You don't even have a microphone. So we've uh, been working to improve our sound quality. So that's uh, that's step one there
1: definitely definitely man <laughs> we're always looking to 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 keep improving and and that guy is a a podcast uh i would say aficionado having had multiple of them and do they, they do so well and you can you can tell so he's some great tips for us so for sure have him on shante recently mitch recently did have done some great job um and they've given some uh some a lot of things that you know for me were kind of interesting topics that i wanted to, to research further and that's always great when i a the guest is is giving me homework to do essentially. So um it's been great having them on man, but today it's just you and me. So we're going back to to the original and we're talking about dynamic warm up. So uh I know you and I are both big believers in a a smart well thought out efficient warm up, but I want to kind of maybe go into the why. So why Brandon to to you, do you think a dynamic warm up or or any warm up in general is important?
0: Yeah, so you know first off I I think that the dynamic warm up can be just as important as the workout itself and in some cases when you're actually working out with a new client or a patient who's a little bit more low level the warm-up can be the workout um, depending on what you do but I have really I think three or four main bullet points for why we incorporate and I was hoping you and I could maybe just go back and forth on each of these but I think the the number one thing is that you want to prepare the CNS or the central nervous system for activity so that is where we want to be doing things where we're moving, or not just laying around or sitting in one place. And the intent of that is to upregulate the central nervous system, so we can recruit more motor units and uh, kind of grease the groove a little bit. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right, man. I think um, this is one of those concepts where people talk about uh, you know static stretching versus uh, dynamic, uh, dynamic type of stretching, and if you're going to foam roll or not. I do think that all those choices that you're making, we do want to take into consideration what's going to do the nervous system. So if I'm laying on a foam roller and going really slow and trying to, you know, uh, you know, it it might make me feel a little better, but really I'm kind of, down or dampening that, uh, that nervous system. And that goes back to kind of what Shantae talked in the course. We're going slow and, and deep into the tissue like that with a foam roller or a tool or something. We're actually acting you know, uh, acting on and, and trying to um, work on those Ruffini receptors, which is actually going to down-regulate uh, the system, which is not what we want. Like you're talking about, we actually want to prime the nervous system for movement. So if I'm going to foam roll, I'd rather it be a little bit quicker and a little bit lighter. I'm not trying to really dig in because that's not the, the, the point of what I'm trying to do. Uh, so I'm, I'm on the same thing. I want, I want to uh, maybe start slow. So the movement's going to be, uh, you know, pretty easy in general, uh, maybe just starting with a monostructural piece, a bike or a rower. But as I get going, I do need to start moving and it's going to start looking more like what I'm going to be doing in that training section, session. It could end with some really dynamic movements, things like jumps or things like that in the warm-up. So um, I think we're on the same page when it comes to that one, man.
0: For sure. And just one thing to elaborate on, you mentioned static stretching. It, it definitely has its place, right. but, and, and the jury is kind of out of whether or not static stretching is harmful or helpful. But there is one pretty recent study that came out there that suggested that anything more than 30 seconds of pulling a stretch can actually affect power output. Right, um, More so in the elite population, not so much in general population, but my problem with that is, you know, I, Most, most of my clientele are general population. I do have a few elite athletes, but I'm not exactly sure where to draw the line with that. So in general, we're usually not doing static stretching in the beginning of the workout. Is that how you look at things too?
1: I approach it the same way, man. My thing on static stretching is, is, like you said, it can be beneficial in certain scenarios. And if if you really uh, you know, feel like it helps you get into um, a certain position a little bit better, uh, I'm, I'm okay with a little bit of it, uh, especially, again, it comes down to if it makes that person feel more comfortable going into something. That's also that's something I want to consider is kind of their mindset as they're moving through the warm-up. Uh, you know, it should prep them in more ways than one for their training session. So doing a little bit of static, session, static stretching makes them feel more prepared, well then, you know, okay, we're going to do a little bit, but like you said, if you hold that for a really long time, uh, you know, I don't want to risk dampening, uh, you know, dampening the body to a point where we actually lose, uh, some force production. So I'm with you there.
0: Sure. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, uh, next bullet point reasons why we do a dynamic warm up is to increase tissue temperature. So before we start a workout, it's generally going to be a good idea to break a sweat a little bit. And the intent intent of that is to really get the blood to the periphery and into the working muscles because that's likely going to help enhance your workout and possibly prevent injury. Um, So, you know, Josh mentioned earlier, he's going to start general and get more specific. I'm the same way. Sometimes I will get somebody, on a bike or a rower, briefly, but then we're going to be quickly moving back and forth across the room, and we'll get into the specifics on that a little bit later. But what are your thoughts about that increasing oh,
1: yeah. temperature? I think it's very important, man. I think if you are, if your, your respiration rate isn't slightly elevated, if, if you aren't starting to break a little bit of a sweat by the end of the warm up, it probably uh, you know wasn't really complete in my mind. And uh, the first, you know, first concept. A lot of people, uh, you know, I started getting this from like Kelly Stress, started talking about, man, the warm up. You should you should actually feel warm and that was kind of you know to my mind like oh that makes sense but um to tell you the truth uh, you know I'm the same way I want somebody to get to a point where they um you know it's the beginning of the workout and the end of the warm up should almost start blending with each other so you should be building an intensity of that warm up to where it starts like you're starting a workout so uh, I'm with you on that one too man
0: awesome all right moving on uh Next, the third reason is to rehearse general skills. So, what I mean by that is that the warm up, or at least some components of the warm up, should look like the workout. So, that's pretty self explanatory, but if the workout has a squat, you should probably do some squatting. You're gonna lunge, do some lunging, things like that. Another reason for that is that sometimes you know, a week might go by where you might not have a lunge in the workout. So you can at least make sure that you're, you know, checking all your boxes and getting that done during the warm up If that's part of what you do and you kind of make it a consistent habit. Are there certain things that you always incorporate in, in, with your clients whenever you're training a class or things you might program with your individual clients?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I like to mimic what's going to be trained that day from a movement pattern standpoint. So, like you said, if there's going to be any kind of knee flexion activity in the in the workout, I want to make sure I go through full knee flexion in the warm up. Uh, you know, upper body pushing, I want to push in the warm up. Pulling, I want to do some kind of pull variation in the warm. Doesn't have to be the exact same movement, but I do want to kind of be working in that same movement pattern. And I sneak in a lot of skill practice in the warm up. So uh, for me, when I'm you know, a lot of my athletes are CrossFitters and they're always trying to improve certain skills, especially from say like a gymnastics realm or even a, uh, you know, from an Olympic lifting perspective. So I'll include empty bar type reps or base you know, gymnastic progressions in the warm-up, knowing that maybe I'm working on that same skill later in the, in the workout. So a chance for them to, uh, you know, to work on those things in a non-fatigue setting. Because while we are trying to Start, you know, getting the body prepped for the workout. We're not really tired yet at that point, and so that's a great time to actually work on the skill itself. You know, before I work on a skill under fatigue, I want to make sure I can I can execute that skill in a non-fatigue setting. So it's a, definitely a chance where I can work on perfecting movement patterns, preparing the body for those movement patterns later on, and then maybe sneak in a little extra skill work uh, like some empty bar reps or some gymnastics progressions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just from a rehab standpoint, that's that's a good time for to give a patient their corrective exercise, home exercise programs, as well, too, because you do not want to give a patient a list of 10 to 12 exercises that, that they're just not going to do. That takes up too much of your time. And that's kind of the, the general rule is there is an inverse relationship between the amount of exercises you prescribe and what they're actually going to do. So that's definitely a good way to get some buy-in is to be like, okay, you know, I want you to do some, Thoracic rotation, but do this as part of your warm up, so it doesn't take up much of your time, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I totally agree with that point.
1: Yeah, I think it's great, man. I think that's uh, that's really necessary, in, and like you said, uh, if you can be, if you can get buy in from the start there, that's you know that's gold.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, fourth reason is for doing a dynamic warm is that you want to prime the mobility that you already have. So generally again since we're not going to be spending a lot of time you know laying on a foam roller smashing stuff out or doing a lot of static stretching we're probably not going to gain a lot of range of motion but this is a time where we can kind of tap into what we have you know classic example is that everybody says they have tight hip flexors but a lot of times they're actually just weak a lot of times we're not using them like we should and you can kind of insert that with any body part hamstrings shoulder whatever um so you know this is this is the time where you can kind of tap into that and then some of the components of the wor- of the warm up are going to include making sure that you move in every plane so that's frontal sagittal transverse you know forwards and backwards side to side and rotation but really truly it's always going to be a combination of the three and um, I also like to make sure that the movements that I choose in a warm-up are going to take as many joints through end range as possible and just another reason for that is that we have synovial fluid that's kind of like the wd-40 your joints and you want to slash that stuff around to prevent arthritic changes and that's just good from a health standpoint.
1: Yeah, man, I think you, hit, you had a couple really great uh, uh, points during that. And that was, you know, one, yes, we're priming the specific movement patterns we're going to use, but taking a lot of dra- joints through their full range of motion, even if they maybe aren't those specific movement patterns we're training that day, I still am a big believer that, you know, even if I'm not squatting on that day, I still want to go through full hip and knee flexion in the warm up a little bit. And I'm taking you know, the same thing with any particular movement pattern, taking all of your joints through a full range of motion uh, is never a bad thing. And, it, and it's something to consistently do daily. I may not be loading it, but going through that range of motion is, is really important in my opinion there. Absolutely. Well,
0: you got anything else to add to that? Reasons yeah. why?
1: Oh, reasons why for, um, for just for, the in general or prime yeah. movement patterns.
0: Both.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah. So the, uh, as far as the movement patterns and specifically to what you said was the multiple planes in CrossFit, especially we are guilty of sticking into the sagittal plane all the time because we do bilateral sagittal plane movements. Constantly, that just seems to be because we take a lot of what we do from the sport of fitness, and when you see it on on TV, that's what a lot of these movements are. So that ends up becoming what we mimic in training. But you know, that's such a small piece of the picture. So this is a great time to sneak in some of those other move, uh, other planes of movement. So I like to get you know whether it be like some rotational med ball throws or or some lateral type lunges, lateral step ups, or or banded walks, you know, side to side. Uh, you're trying to you know address those planes in the warm up can be a time to sneak in some of that volume, um, you know, in a in a CrossFit program, if that makes sense, since that's something that we rarely seem to get to in our general CrossFit classes. So um, for me, I think that's a, a time where you can train those move uh, those planes, which is so important for injury prevention. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me, these really, really fit athletes that in terms of the sport of fitness go out and they try to play, um, you know, an intramural flag football game, and they either are extremely sore from not moving in those directions, or they have an injury. I think by moving in every plane consistently, maybe even it's just through the warm-up and then occasionally in training as well, you're setting yourself up to prevent from injury too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't tell how many times I've had like a fit athlete who's did something like play with his kids and had to twist for the first time in a year and had an acute you know, low back strain. I mean, that stuff happens all the time. So again, you cover that in the warm-up, you're probably going to be okay whenever life hits you with that kind of task for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was something that we uh, talked about a little bit prior to um, uh, starting the recording, and that was using the warm up as a coach or a practitioner as either as, as kind of a movement screen. So as the athlete comes in and they're going through their dynamic warm up. It's an awesome opportunity to to watch how they're moving, especially if it's a newer athlete. Uh, you even if you gave them the warm up or they're doing their own warm up, you can you can already start to assess their movement. I think that's extremely important. It's a valuable time. You should be, you know, if you're an athlete or a coach, or say you're a coach and you're coaching a general class or it's an individual or you're coaching a team and you give them a warm up to perform and you know that's not a time to to slack off and talk to the other coaches and just hang out you should be actively watching each participant to really assess okay how is that how is that person moving through these specific things I'm having them do Uh, similarly as a coach I coach a lot of individuals that's kind of what um, you know my focus is I also get a big insight into that person's um, you know demeanor that day so the intent at which they're doing their warm up. A lot of times I put things to be completed as parts of their warmup. I usually don't write every single step of their warm-up in there. I give them more components I want them to hit and then anything additional, additionally that they want to. I kind of want them to be a little bit more autonomous and really start listening to their body. But for me, I'm watching them as they go through it. I want to see not only how they're moving, but are they are they doing so with intent? Do they want to be here? Because if they're if they're you know going through the motions in the warmup. Then I know that you know I, I probably need to maybe talk to that person a little bit more and and really make sure that their training session doesn't suffer uh, you know because maybe they're just not into it for some reason maybe they're going through something else or something else on their mind so that warm up can be a good chance to analyze how people are moving but also see you know you know what what are they thinking when they come in that day you can tell when somebody's about to have a good training session when they're dialed in in their warm up.
0: Yes, I can tell you a lot about their their general preparedness, basically, mm-hmm. general physical preparedness. Um, just to elaborate on that point, too, though, uh, from a movement assessment standpoint, you know, I love FMS and SFMA. I think that those are the kings for movement screens, movement assessment. But, you know, if you have someone lunge across the room as part of a dynamic warm up, that's going to tell you a much different story than the inline lunge test or just having them perform a, you know, a stationary lunge right in front of you. And you can extrapolate that to any kind of movement you might prescribe. So that's definitely an important reason for a, a different, you know, gives you a lot of bang for your buck and an extra reason why you should do the dynamic warm up for sure.
1: Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. I'm a big SFMA guy. I think that you know, most of my assessments for my athletes are are very similar to that process. But yeah, you know, when you add uh, a dynamic component to it, man, it's amazing. People can look good on an FMS screen, and then you you have them move dynamic, dynamically, and it, it doesn't look so good. So um, I think you know assessing it while they're moving and adding some speed maybe to to a movement uh, can be really important.
0: Absolutely. So, Josh, I know that there's no cookie cutter recipe for anything that we do, but could you give an example of what a typical dynamic workout might look like for your clients?
1: Yeah, so uh, my first thing is something general. I know we talked about general to specific. I would maybe you know have them hop on a bike, a rower, a ski, or I love around the world type um, activities where maybe you bike a minute, row a minute, ski a minute, skip rope for a minute. You know, go through that once or twice through maybe five to ten minutes of just general aerobic work. And we're doing things where we're increasing heart rate, we're increasing tissue temperature, we're increasing the blood flow going around, we're kind of priming ourselves to start moving. And then I go more into uh, some will be classified as more like a dynamic warm up, uh, you know, uh, in terms of maybe uh, various walking lunge sequences, things like, uh, you know, single like RDL, RDL walks, or some people call them Frankensteins or high kicks, I'm going to go through and do, um, you know, Things where I'm doing quad pulls or uh, you know figure four cradle walks again, their names for all these different things. But the general idea is I'm taking my body through and these joints through these different ranges of motion, and uh, very much more of like uh, a it's still general at that point. And over the course of this, I start going into more specific movement patterns I might be training that day. So if I'm hinging that day, I might uh, say I'm hinging that day. I'm doing some upper body uh, pressing and pulling. Uh, you know, I, I'm in that warm-up. I'm probably gonna have them do near the end of it, say three rounds of some light kettlebell swings, uh, push-ups at a tempo, and ring rows or single uh, you know, ring rows or single arm ring row. Even for my high-level athletes, even if they're gonna be doing heavy split jerks and you know, chest bar pull-ups that day and they're gonna be deadlifting four or five hundred pounds, I'm still backing it down and doing basic movements within those same movement patterns to start priming their system. And then they might move into empty bar work. Um, to start prepping again in this instance for the deadlift and it all flows together. It starts general and very easy. It gets a little bit more specific. And then during that time, they're also picking up the intensity. So by the time they start getting to really adding weight to that first exercise, they're, they're warm, they're breaking a little bit of sweat, their nervous system is ready to go. And they they have already, uh, you know, acquired and worked into the range of motion they're going to be using that day.
0: Sounds good. And, and that's kind of a very similar process to what we do in the clinic as well, too, with most of our general population. So, you know, at Vertex, we have a, a a list. It's kind of used as a guideline. So we'll call it semi-standardized list of movements that we actually adopted from Athletes Arena. I think Josh Ortega, the original founder, was the one that came up with it. But we have a space that's about 10 meters in the clinic. And we're typically going to get our patients doing a few movements on the ground, like leg overs and scorpions. And then we have that list of about seven or eight movements um, that we actually – teach the patients how to do you know sometimes whenever we get busy get a little bit behind if they're feeling good they can actually start on that when they come into the clinic and it's the things you mentioned things like you know lunging in different planes there are some yoga-esque movements some hip and ankle drills things like that and if anyone's interested and wants to see that list just uh, dm me at bb the pt and i'll be happy to send that to you um but another point with that, too, is that if you are a physical therapist, especially if you're in a busy setting where you're having to juggle three or four patients at a time, you know, instead of wasting everyone's time and putting a patient on a bike or a, or a UBE or a hot pack, it's like the time waster trifecta there, um, teach them a dynamic warm up. You know, you will get more out of that from a coaching and assessment standpoint. Your patients will as well. And that might be something that they want to adopt and make a habit for the rest of their life. And you won't die as much in, on the inside as you were previously, too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I think you're exactly right there. I think uh, we're both in agreement that this is something that's extremely important. And as you said, is almost if not equally as important to the training that you do uh, that day. Um, You're going to get more out of the training when you warm up. Uh, appropriately you're also going to decrease your risk for injury when you warm up appropriately and training these different movement planes in in, you know in that in that warm-up are going to help prevent injury in everyday life so I mean it can't be overstated the importance of getting yourself ready for the training session uh, you know, every single day, or for you know, in the rehab setting, you know, you can it, it's it's underutilized in the rehab setting. And I was thankful enough, uh, you know, very thankful in the clinic this summer on my rotation, I got to see how you guys implemented dynam- a dynamic type warm up in the clinical practice, and that was awesome to see, and, mm-hmm. and it led to some great results.
0: Yeah, and one other point I want to mention too is. You know, we also use a dynamic warm up for more like our elderly population or our chronic pain patients, and it doesn't look like anything that we were talking about earlier. We actually, it's actually more of a locomotion warm up. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get a chance to do that with any of our folks? I
1: did things like toe walks, heel walks, walking with you know the feet you know turned out, feet turned in, you know just getting them moving. Yeah,
0: right. It's getting them moving, and it's that concept we talked about it, making sure that you're moving in as many planes as possible as well too, um, sure. but you know, generally they feel better after doing that and they're ready to start the session. So big, big fan of all types of warm up. Last question, Josh. Yep. So you're, you're late for the gym. You only got three minutes to warm up. What are you going to do?
1: Ooh, geez. That's a great question. I'm going to spend one minute on, uh, on the bike or 30, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do three rounds. I'm going to do three, 30 seconds on the bike. All right. I'm going to do 10 Russian kettlebell swings. I'm going to do a few air squats. A few push ups and I'm gonna cycle through that in the three minutes and then try to get my heart rate up a little bit, go through a little bit of some of that range of motion and then get moving. What about you? That's
0: pretty solid. I'm gonna grab a kettlebell, probably thirty five pounds. Swings, goblet squats, and windmills. That's going to take care of most of what I need.
1: Yeah, I love the windmills, man. I think uh, including that's great. Um, some other things I've been doing too. If the person has more time, we didn't even mention it. Uh, some of those cars, those controlled yes. rotations. If you really got some time, I'm a big. I'm really into the pails and rails right now. Um, there are so many things out there. The biggest thing is do do something, get moving, and and don't just jump into that first working set. It's amazing people late to my CrossFit class and they'll just try to jump right into the. Working <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, this is this is not going to happen. You're going to have to go over and do X, Y, and Z, and then you can jump in.
0: That's good. That's good coaching there. You actually have to make them stop doing stuff. Oh it's yeah,
1: Dude, it's bad, man. They come in five minutes late or ten minutes late, and they want to just jump right in. And I understand they're they're ready to go, but yeah, uh, you know, you, you're not going to get hurt because I didn't I didn't have you warm up.
0: Right. That's that's membership retention there. <laughs> exactly, I'm sure Steve would yeah. be, Steve would be happy to hear that. <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> This is a great episode, man. This is a lot of uh, actionable content here. I think uh, I think a lot of people get some use out of this. But mm-hmm. if you like what you heard, please, please subscribe and leave us five stars. Uh, the podcast game is very much a popularity contest, and that's what moves us up in the rankings. Um, as always, be sure to send us a message if you have any questions or requests. Um, don't forget to register for the upcoming Fitness Athlete Live Weekend Seminar. That's going to be at Carolina CrossFit on March 10th and 11th. That's going to be with Mitch Babcott, Ryan Smith, and Zach Long. You can find us at betterfasterpodcast.com or at betterfasterpodcast on Instagram. You can find Josh at com or at CPT underscore strength, me at vertexpt.com or at BV the PT. And that's it. We'll talk to you all next week. This episode
1: is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialists. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.